There are 11 things that I believe that I want to share with you this morning. So here we go. I believe that getting up early helps me to be more productive, so I do it. I also believe that starting the day with a healthy breakfast, consisting of eggs and assorted berries, helps me to make better food choices the rest of the day, so I do it. I believe being on time shows respect for others and their time, so I usually do it. I believe sending emotionally charged text, emails, or social media posts is short-sighted, not very smart, so I don't do it. I believe that every item has a home. So putting items back where they belong helps me not to be psychotic. So I do it. I believe that regular and consistent exercise through CrossFit, for me, preps me for hard things, challenges, and helps my clothes to fit. So I do it. I believe remembering someone's name helps them feel seen and valued. So I try really hard to do that. I also believe that a weekly date night with my wife makes my marriage healthier and happy and it has benefits far beyond just a date night. So I do it. This also means I believe that watching This Is Us is must see TV. I believe that consistent, loving, and age-appropriate discipline of kids helps them develop into well-rounded adults. So we do it because there's nothing worse than kids thinking the world revolves around them. Am I right? Or adults. I also believe that watching my kids compete and perform is one of the greatest honors I get as a dad. And so I make every effort in my schedule to be there and to do that. You see, my, my believe list, certainly not all-inclusive, I'm sure you have a list of things that you would say you believe and that you do. Uh, but the thing is, for me, it requires self-discipline. It requires focus. It requires determination so that the things I say that I believe, I actually do. And you can all relate to that. You have things that you say you believe and you want to do. And ultimately, what it comes down to is we ultimately do what we believe. We ultimately do what we believe. But for a lot of us, when it comes to what we say we believe, there can be a disconnect, and none of us want to be that way. But, but this whole idea of we ultimately do what we believe, it comes naturally. Like, for instance, this morning, when you got in your car, hopefully you didn't ride a bicycle or run because you would be soaking wet. But when you got in your car to come here, you put the key in the ignition and turned it, or you pressed the button, you expected the car to start. Right, I mean, you didn't go and pop the hood and say, well, let me check my battery connection to make sure I don't have corrosion here. So, so no, no, you didn't do that at all. You just press the button, you turn the key, boom, you expected it to start. You naturally did that because you believed it would happen. You also, when you walked in this room, you start evaluating which chair to sit in because that's a pretty big decision when, when you come in here. Like, which, where am I gonna sit? You didn't evaluate the chair for its structural uh, integrity. You just sat down because you believed that the chair would support you. Your behavior showed that. Or when you go to the grocery store, maybe later today or, or later this week, you'll be strolling up to that automatic door. None of you get to that door and stop and go, I hope this opens. 
You, you just barely slow down. You just walk right through it because you expect it to open up. The only way you would stop is if recently you had a bad experience where it didn't open and you went splat because that would be no good. But we don't stop because we naturally expect that door to open. We naturally do or ultimately do what we believe to be true. The problem is when we, we have a gap between what we say we believe and then what our behavior is. Because none of us want to be a person that's all talk, but no action. And, and for a lot of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, we feel like maybe we're stuck. Like we would say, oh yeah, I, I believe, I believe. God's my everything. But we feel like we're stuck and there's a gap. And, and so we want to get unstuck and we want to help our behavior and our beliefs to match up. And in 2018, we want to go to the next level. Well, this morning, we're going to be diving into that. But, but why is this so hard? You ever stop to think about why is it hard to match up our behavior to what we say we believe? And I think that comes in a couple packages. One is one of control. Anybody here like to be in control? It just feels safer, right? And we, we start to wonder, you know, when it comes to our relationship with God, will he really come through for us? Will he really be there? Can he be trusted? Or the other one is comfort. Like when we, we look at what God sometimes wants and for us, sometimes we think, well, that's gonna make me really uncomfortable. I'm, or I'm, I'm scared. Or you know, God, God's gonna understand. He's, he's, a, he's a good, good father. But, but when it comes down to it, control and comfort can often hold us back from leveling up and getting to where we wanna go. And, and I would say that none of us in this room wanna be stuck on the same level of living. Just like a kid can't wait to get to the next grade, we want to progress in our lives to a new level of living. We don't wanna stay stuck where we are. And the subject I wanna really dive in on when it comes to behavior and belief today is one that oftentimes can create discomfort. Isn't that fun? It can make us feel uneasy. And we're gonna dive right into it. And, and Jesus, when talking about this subject, and, and he talks about it so much throughout his gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chose one of his followers, Matthew, to write about this subject when Matthew had a struggle at one point, big time struggle, with what we're gonna be talking about. I think it's pretty cool how God does that, how Jesus goes, oh, you used to have a struggle with this? We're gonna let you be the one to talk about it. And so Matthew, if you know anything about his story of being a disciple of Jesus, he was prior, prior to that a tax collector, which in that setting, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail, but he exploited his, his own people to try to get as much money from them as possible. He was very greedy. And so in the book of Matthew, he gets the opportunity to record the words of Jesus and what Jesus had to say about treasures, money, and stuff. And so we're going to pick that up here today in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, where Matthew writes about the word, what Jesus said as he's teaching a large crowd of people, including his disciples, but a large crowd of people who have decided to follow him from all over. And Jesus said this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Well, what he's writing is, hey, 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 don't, don't live for the temporary. Don't live for the stuff 
Don't make your money and your stuff all about things that are gonna go away, that are gonna sprout wings and just fly off and that, that aren't gonna last forever. He said, no, no, no. Don't look at stuff and, and, and think about, hey, this is for my consumption alone. Because that's oftentimes the, the way we approach money and stuff is when you know, I worked for it, it's mine. It's mine, 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 mine. And we oftentimes find ourselves finding a, a lot in common with toddlers. If, if I were to take you on a field trip and say, you know what, let's go visit the peak ministry, walk out these doors, hang a right, go to the end, peak ministries on the left, and, and there, there are babies in there, there are one-year-olds, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds. If you were to hang out with the two-year-olds, the toddlers, you would start to learn some important things about them. Number one, they're very cute. But number two, they have rules that they all follow, and those rules create static and drama. So I thought I would share with you the 10 rules of a toddler because they're real. Number one, if I want it, it's mine. Number two, if it's in my hands, it's mine. Number three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Number four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Number five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Number six, if we are building something together, all the pieces are mine. Number seven, if it just looks like mine, it's mine. Number eight, if I think it's mine, it's mine. Number nine, if I give it to you and change my mind later, it's mine. And number 10, once it's mine, it will never, ever, never, ever belong to anyone else, no matter what. The rules of a toddler. And we laugh because I think it's pretty funny. I like watching toddlers interact. I mean, it can get real, y'all. And they, they come up with those toys and it's like, bam, you took my Lego. I mean, they, they, they throw down sometimes. Not in our environment, it's very safe. But, but it's, it's interesting because when it comes to money, sometimes we approach it like a toddler. It's for my consumption. It, 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 it's my, in my hands, it's for me to have alone. And so Jesus wants to contrast this mindset of living for the temporary and living for our own consumption in verse 20. And he goes on to say this in verse 20. So store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where the thieves can't steal it, the rust can't mess it up and decay it and corrode it and the moths can't eat it all up. And he's saying, instead of temporary, live for eternal. And you ask yourself, well, well, what lasts forever? Well, if you look around this room, you see people. People last forever. And when it comes to your treasures, your money and your stuff, Jesus says, put those treasures, money and stuff where people are into eternity into something that lasts forever and not just make it all about your own consumption, it being mine. 
You know, we, we wanted to illustrate this, this this morning, so I drove my real fast and expensive Dodge Charger Hellcat and parked it out front so you could just admire its beauty. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. We, we had a, a generous man in our church who, who owns that car, and he allowed us to park it out front. He brought it, and, and, and we got it out front this morning for you to, to just be reminded of our men's event next week because he wants to use his resources to help men get connected in a way that maybe they wouldn't otherwise. And we're doing a men's event at our Kernsville location next week to help men take their next step in receiving and sharing the love of Jesus. And so that's why that car is out there for us all to admire and wish we had. But anyway, I digress a little bit. Jesus sums up this thought in verse 21 by saying, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Wherever your money and stuff is, there your heart is. Your heart and your money are connected. And see, Jesus isn't saying, oh, I want your money, I want your money. The church isn't saying, I just want your money, I want your money. No, no, Jesus is saying, I want your heart. That's what this is all about because he knows that money and stuff and treasures are the greatest competitor for our attention and worship. And I once worked with a guy. He, he, had, a, he had an interesting way about him uh, he would just say things very bluntly. You ever, I'm sure you're around people that are blunt. But he'd say, Brian, I generally get along with everybody. I'm, okay. He said, but if you mess with my truck, you mess with my dog, and you mess with my girl, I'll mess with you. And I was like, whoa, okay. And I don't remember them initially being in that order, but... I, I sit back and I think, in one sentence, he expressed where his heart was, what he treasured. They're connected. And see, your heart is the core of who you are. It represents your desires, your appetites, your passions, and your emotions. And you're going to connect it somewhere. And what, what Jesus is saying to us, to them, and to that crowd is God wants your heart over your stuff. But he realizes this, that if you put your stuff above anything else, then your heart will be connected to the stuff. And you'll be living for something that's temporary. When you, and then you'll be living for your own consumption. And so the mindset that Jesus is talking about is moving from, from for me, for him, and to him, by aligning your budget with your beliefs. Aligning your budget with what you say you believe. And a question that we have to kick around is, what would your budget say about what you believe about God and eternity? That's kind of a hard question. And some of you are thinking, what budget? Right? Well, first of all, we would agree that living indoors is pretty important. Eating's important. We need it to live. We would say well, Wi-Fi is really important. I mean, some of you, right, Wi-Fi? Your phone? Clothes? I'm glad we're all wearing clothes today. Those are important. A car is important. Taking family trips, is our, that's important. Medical insurance. We get sick. That's important. But oftentimes, we start there, and what, what Jesus is saying is that's not the starting point. Because when we start there, we start with the mindset that it's for my consumption. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. 
And if we look throughout scripture, what we see God communicating to us is this concept of the tithe, which is giving the first 10% of everything that passes through our hands back to God, acknowledging that he is the one who gives everything. And when we hear that, sometimes it's like, oh, oh. And I would say when we feel that, we automatically acknowledge that money is the greatest competitor for our hearts. And God wants something, not from you, but for you. And so when you, when you take that, that step and say, you know, I'm going to embrace that, amazing things can happen and be unlocked in, inside of you, and you can really level up to a new way because you're free. It's kind of interesting, uh, we, we ask ourselves, hey, why is that so hard? It comes back to comfort and control. And what Jesus calls us to ultimately is the word, the T word, trust. This morning we sang a song. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. You made the blind to see. You made the deaf to hear. You can do the impossible. You put death in its place. You bring the dead to life. That is the God that we worship. That is the God that we're talking about here. That is a God who can be trusted and who is worthy of being trusted with the resources he's put in our hands. And so when he says, it's not all for your consumption, but I have a bigger plan, we can trust him because of his character. And he sums up this thought later on in Matthew chapter six, speaking to this large crowd. Matthew's sitting there writing down his words, I imagine, by saying, seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And I will take care of everything you need. It's powerful when we see people move that mindset and say, you know what, I, I'm gonna do what Matthew 6, says and seek the kingdom of God above all else. It's amazing because then the starting point shifts from mine, 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 my consumption to the starting point is I'm gonna start with God in open hands and open heart, knowing that God wants something for me, not just something from me. So for you, I don't know what the next step is. It may be just saying, you know what, God, I, 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 I need to offer my heart to you first. I need to receive the love of Jesus, understanding what's been done for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. For others of you, it may be, you know, I just need to create a budget. Dave Ramsey's a noted financial guru, says, give every dollar a name. I think it's good advice. If you need help with that, you can see someone on our guest services team today. We'll help you create a budget. And for some of you, the next step may be, you know what, I've got a lot of money locked up in a lot of different areas, but I, could, I can begin to percentage give. I can start with a 1% or 2% because I understand that I, I don't want money to have a hold on me and to be my master. And maybe some of you can go, you're like, you know what? No, I, I've been holding back. 
I can take that full step of obedience and I can, I can take a step into a tithe and just say, I'm gonna start with God knowing that he wants something for me, not from me when it comes to my money. We believe in that so much. We, we look in scripture and it's the only place that God says to test me. But we also offer a 90 day giving challenge at the Summit Church. If you go to our website, it gives you all the details. And, and if you take the challenge to give for three months, to give a tie for three months, and you don't feel like God has blessed you, we'll give, your, give you your money back. Because we believe that he's a God of miracles. We believe he's God that makes the blind to see and the, the deaf to hear, and he does the impossible. We, we believe that he puts death in his place and he brings the dead to life. So what's the next step for you? We launched this church in this school in March of 2016. Since we've, we've been here, we've seen 20 people get baptized in that trough. It's pretty awesome, right? Yeah. And if, and if you've contributed financially to the Summit Church, you've been a part of helping those people receive and share the love of Jesus and be able to proclaim that publicly. You've been a part of that. That's what lasts people. And the reality for our church right now, if you call this your home church, and we have a lot of people that do across our three locations, is only 25% of the people actually give something at all. What could happen for our reach and our community and what could happen for our church and where we could go if, if we got truly behind this and said, you know what? I'm gonna align my budgets with what I say I believe. God could unlock some amazing things. And I, I believe this, that baptism is so important. I have the names of all the people just so you can hear them this morning. Th these people you have made an eternal difference in if you've given to the message, uh, to, the, to the mission here at the Summit Church to receive and share the love of Jesus. Sandy Harrell. Josie Cothran, Mackenzie Wheelis, Cindy Neisinger, Lauren Combs, Katie Benz, Heather Lowe, Jeremy Lowe, Tori Lowe, Josh Lowe, Gibby Justice, Deborah Connor, Julius Hurley, Crystal Stevens, Ron Kaiser, Nick Kaiser, Presley Haltham, Jenny Yoder, Peyton Cornelison, Logan Prilliman, and today we get to baptize number 21, Kaylee Parks. See, when you say yes to, to this whole idea of receiving and sharing the love of Jesus, you give. And you make a difference that lasts forever treasures in heaven. So where, Summit Church, do you need to align your budget with your beliefs, knowing that God wants something for you, not just something from you. He could take you to the next level this year like never before, and you would see things, and you would see miracles that you haven't seen before if you would just take that step. So that's my challenge for you today. What I'd like to do right now is to pray for you, and in a few moments we'll be having our baptism. God, we thank you so much that you bring the dead to life, that you put death in its place, that you help the blind to see and the deaf to hear, and you do the impossible. And God, I wanna declare that I believe in you. 
Time and time again, I see stories of people whose lives are being changed because people put others first through giving and serving and all the avenues we have to make an eternal difference here. And I pray that you would help people take that next step in receiving and sharing your love this morning. We thank you so much for being so amazing and for helping us write new chapters to the story you're telling through us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.